brought to life on mission. Life on mission is still right. So, Lord, thank you for this preaching moment. In your, very, in, your, in your awesome presence, we bring this word. Thank you for a fresh anointing of your spirit. That through your anointing, yokes will be destroyed. Through your anointing, burdens will be removed. Have your way now. Thank you that your word does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire. You prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you now. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life on mission. How many of you have heard that before? Life on mission. How many of you have heard that before? Amen. How many of you have the book? I want to see hands up. How many of you have the book? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. How many of you sitting under the teaching? All right. Amen. Life on mission. So coming out of the mission conference always stirs my heart toward the fact that God has called each one of us to join him in his mission to a fallen world. Every one of us has been called. This is not something that's just for the pastor or for the ministers and elders or for the teachers. Every one of us has been called to join the Lord in his mission to a fallen world. And there's some things that we have to realize, and that is that we, we live in a fallen world. Some of the th times we see stuff that's going on around us, we cannot just say this is the way things are. We live in a fallen world. Throughout our, several studies here over the course of the last couple of years, we've we focused a lot on discipleship. And now the study, Life on Mission. Both focuses, <clears throat> both focuses us in on, on the fact that, that after accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, God has called us not just to say to this work, but to his mission in the world, every one of us. So that includes me. Amen. But life on mission takes us beyond salvation to the life that we should live every day as a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I, I'm not going to attempt to go through the entire book, but summarize it to say that, that God designed a good world. Everything God designed was good. Read the creation account. After every day, the Lord says, it is good. It is good. Everything he designed was good. But sin entered the picture. Yeah. And all of a sudden, things got bad. Okay. Sin caused brokenness. Amen. It 
because the brokenness that is in the world today, sin. So sometimes when people don't understand what's going on, you have to go back to the root cause. You go to the doctor and there's something going on in your body. The doctor's responsibility is to find out the root cause. So you fill out a history, a family history. They try to find out what went on in your family because they're trying to get back to the root cause. So when we see stuff that's happening in the world today, it's important to understand that that is because of the brokenness caused by sin that the world is like it is. But not just the world, we discover that all of us are broken. We come from broken families. As good as our families are, our families are broken. Amen. Much as we think of our family line and family history, our families are broken. Because our families are broken, we are broken. I know we want perfectness out of people, but we're broken. We may not want to think of life like that, but we're broken. We're broken because of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So none of us like to go around thinking that we're broken, but, but we really are. Yeah. It's apart from Jesus Christ and the healing that he brings in the midst of our brokenness, we're just like everybody else in the world. But God wants to use us in our brokenness to help bring healing to others. I shared this several times, and I always share it with our ministers. I'll never forget a book that I studied in seminary that was called The Wounded Healer. How all of us have been wounded. But as we've come into the healing process, still wounded, God calls us to bring healing to others who don't know what we know and have not experienced what we have experienced. So when we begin to understand life on mission, we're not waiting until we get completely unbroken to begin to help with others who are broken in the world. As a matter of fact, God uses brokenness in people to start conversations. God uses the brokenness in unbelievers as they encounter those of us who are still broken but saved. Can you believe that? Still broken but saved. Jesus makes the difference. Jesus makes the difference. Are you listening? So, 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 as you meet unbelievers and they start talking about brokenness, God has now opened the door for you to begin that conversation in the midst of brokenness to point people back to God's original design, which is good. And the healing only comes through introducing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the gospel is, the good news is that Jesus has come into the world 
to save sinners from their sin. And it's through that encounter with Jesus Christ that, 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 that healing and reconciliation and restoration begins to take place. But it's important for us to be sensitive enough that when we meet people and the conversation around brokenness comes up, that we are aware that this is a door that God has opened so that we can start from the brokenness and help people see God's good design and prayerfully through repentance, belief and repentance in Jesus Christ, bring them back to God's good design. You know, when I think about that, I think about what God said to Jeremiah, my thoughts to you are good only and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. That hope comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of us sitting in here in the midst of our brokenness has found hope in Jesus Christ. I shared with you the other, last Sunday, I said, now while we're enjoying ourselves at the picnic, be sensitive, be aware. There are going to be some people who will come who are broken. And you can't be so caught up in what you're doing that you're not available to God. And sure enough, there were some people here who just needed to talk through that brokenness and be pointed back to Jesus. But you see, the, the problem with, with Christians is that we get so caught up in enjoying ourselves sometimes and doing what we're doing that we don't pay attention when God sends those people by. I even went to Verizon because I needed some work done on my phone. Went twice, and, and I, was, I was told, you know, you can get your battery replaced. And my wife said, no, you need to go to Verizon first. I went to Verizon, misunderstood what the man told me, and went across the street to, to get the battery replaced. I and mean, this is how God works to get the battery replaced. I misunderstood what the man said, and when the lady told me $114, I said, oh, no, I'll just keep, a, I'll keep charging my phone up. But my wife said, did you understand what the man said? So I went back to Verizon. He told me what I needed to do, which meant I had to go back to Verizon. See how God works. So when I went back to Verizon, I got a different young lady. And she just started talking. And she talked. And she talked. But she had some brokenness. See, God wants us to be available. We don't know whether it's going to be at Verizon. We don't know whether it's going to be at Walmart. We don't know whether it's going to be at Chick-fil-A. We don't know whether it's going to be at the church picnic or at the conference. We don't know where it's going to be. But brokenness is all around us. 
that lady just talked, and she just talked, and the Holy Spirit was saying, ask the right questions, because there's something happening here. Don't give her an answer. Ask the right questions, because this young lady needs to talk to a believer. There's brokenness in the world. And God will use brokenness to start the conversation, to open the door for us to walk through. Now, I didn't think that I had the time to sit there. I really went to Verizon the, Verizon the third time to get this thing done quickly. And when they told me that there were some people in front of me that I would have to wait, I almost left the store. But I just sensed that I needed to sit here and wait. Because there was a young lady who, who had been broken and have brokenness in her life. It's sitting there, she's working for Verizon. It's sitting there talking. Tears start running down her face. Life on mission is about us being sensitive. Every believer, yes, we go through things. Yes, we are hurting. Yes, we want to cry sometimes. But we got to be sensitive enough in that moment to listen and know what to say. Because life on mission is not about just listening. We want to point people back to God's good design. And getting back to God's good design only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all listening? You think of how many opportunities have passed your way. And as I was, as I was preparing the message, I, 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 I couldn't help but think about my wife and how often she tells me that she's in, 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 in uh, Earth Fair. She's somewhere. Somebody just starts talking. And she takes the time to listen. We have to do that. Because... Our lives have to be characterized by being on mission. Being sensitive, knowing what to say, being available, but knowing what to say. And I, th I think that, that, that many of us know more than we think we know. But we just have to learn to, to listen and ask the right questions. Yeah. They taught us in, in counseling to ask leading questions, not closed-in questions. So as I'm talking to this young lady, and, and, and she's telling me about her family, and, and I want to keep this conversation going because I sense God doing something. She might be listening this morning to Facebook Live because I definitely told her, you know, that 
you know, that we're on, on Facebook and gave it a card and everything. So if you're listening this morning, nobody knows that I'm talking about you. So you don't have to tell them and nobody, won't, no, won't, nobody will know. All right. All right. You know how some people, Pastor, you were talking about me today. Well, don't tell anybody. How many times I've been in church and my toes have been stepped on, and I'm saying, Lord, Lord, I'm going to have some hurting toes when I get out of this service today, but I don't tell anybody. He was talking about me. So she starts talking about her family and telling me where she's from and, you know, all of the brokenness in her family and, and that she's not in the Lord like she needs to be. And I thought about that woman at the well you know, and Jesus didn't start condemning her about having had five husbands and the one she was living with right then was not her husband. And he started dealing with her thirst and her need because she was thirsty for something and she hadn't discovered what it was until she met Jesus. And so you look at the brokenness that's in the world and God has orchestrated this thing so that 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 brokenness becomes and the conversation about just think about this now. Think about how many people you meet and they start talking about the problems. Either that they're going through, somebody in their family is going through, what something that's happening in the world, something that's happening in the news that all deals with brokenness. So what do you do? Do you join in the conversation or do you start thinking about, God, how can I walk through this door and talk about your good design? Because we need to go back to God's good design. Y'all, 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 those of you who have the book, you know the three circles, right? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. See what you're missing when you don't come? All right. You need to, you need to come because you need to know what to say. You need to know what to say. If you can't come, buy the book and study it and ask questions. Because this ministry is characterized on making disciples and preparing people to do the work of ministry. Do you realize that we're reaching more than the few people we see on Sunday morning. Brother Trevor, how many people you say we're reaching each week? Yes. About 200 per video. And in a month's time, I heard a large number. So, so sometimes, you know, when we think that we're not significant, and what we have is not significant, we don't realize what God is doing behind the scene. God, wants to, God, God is preparing us to use us so that many people will be blessed through this ministry. Because brokenness is all around us. So, so we can't get caught up in just, 
Our needs being met. And just us being fulfilled and us being happy. We got to be prepared that in the midst of our brokenness, God will use us to minister to other people. And he is using us to minister to so many people, people we never see. So yesterday, I sent out uh, on, on, our, on our youth page for KCMI, I sent the link to our, our uh, Tabernacle Praise Association of Churches. I sent the link to, to our church app. I sent it to all of, all of the pastors that I cover in Africa, the link to our church app. Send it to them because of what God, God is doing through this ministry. But still we come home and we're at home and we have to see, we have to understand that, that God has called us to live our lives on mission. We may not always get it right, but once we get the concept in our spirits and we stop thinking about that, then, then even at home we're thinking about how can I live my life on mission? How can I get the focus off of me? You know, how, 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 can, I, how can I put the focus on, 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 on my spouse? How can I put the focus on my children? How can I teach my children to put the focus on children they're going to meet when they go out into the school and go uh, while they're on the playground? How can I get this focus in them that our lives are supposed to be lived on mission. How can our teenagers get this focus that, that, that our lives are to be lived on mission? So I can't be like everybody else. Gonna remember that in the midst of my brokenness, God wants to bring healing in my life, but while he's healing me, he wants to use what he's already done to point people back to him. So I asked the Lord, God, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for all of us? And, and, and this has to be all of us. Somebody say all of us. This has to be all of us. It has to be all of us. How, what is it going to take for God to get all of us, all right, to focus in on the fact that we're to live our lives on mission? Now, remember, and I didn't say this earlier, but I shared it when I read the scripture. When you read Matthew 28 and it says, go, therefore, make disciples, you got to read other translations because it says, as you go. So what this is saying to me is that I am not, I'm, I'm, I may have a specific set aside time to go out and do evangelism, but it's, what it's saying to me more specifically is, as I live my life every day, my focus is to be about making disciples. As I go, get out of my bed in the morning, get dressed, and go to Walmart. As I go, my focus is to be making disciples. As I go to work, my focus is to be making disciples. As I go to the park, my focus is to be making disciples. As I go on vacation, my focus is to be making disciples. I'm laying out at the beach, down at Myrtle Beach, got my swimming trunks on, enjoying my shades on, enjoying the sun. But my mindset has to be 
got to make disciples. Because even on the beach, y'all listen to me. Even on the beach, Now, I don't want to take this the wrong way, but God can use you anywhere, anyway, anytime. And, and just hear me, hear me good on this. Um, so that then that, that then I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to put. I don't want to be put in a box, and don't want to put you in a box. But I don't want to be a distraction. Yeah. So, so even on the beach, I don't want to be a distraction. <laughs> y'all, y'all hear me? Uh, I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not saying that you go to the beach and you have your jogging pants on. <laughs> You understand what I mean? Uh, but there are ways that I can dress without being a distraction. Because I'm remembering that my life is to be on mission. Now, now, God can use you while you're a distraction. You might win one, but you've distracted 50 others. So, you know, we just, we have, we have to think. Y'all following me? Yes, I'm not trying to put you in a box. I'm not trying to put you under restriction, you know. And put you out of the church because you, you, you know, you're a distraction. But I got to think. My life is to be on mission. So I don't want to be a distraction. Don't want to be a distraction. And you can apply that across the board in so many ways. You know, there's some examples I want to use, but I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to unduly uh, make people feel like I'm talking about them. So you make the application, all right? You make that, and you, you know what I'm talking about, you know, all right? So you make the application, you know. You're going to witness to somebody, but you just did something. You got it? All right. I'll just leave it right there. If you can't, if you can't make the application, come see me afterwards. And I'll help you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 you know. So how, what, what is it going to take? Let me go ahead and finish this. What is it going to take? Well, three things that I want to share with you today. And, and for some people, it might take ten things. But, <laughs> but three things I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to be done. All right? We have to embrace, we have to personally, each one of us, uh, must personally believe the gospel message, not for the sake of salvation, but for the sake of responsibility. Each one of us has to receive the responsibility message of the gospel. The gospel is, is the good news that Christ has come into the world to save sinners. Paul said, I'm chief of sinners. But when we read the gospel, Jesus also said, as you go, do what? That's responsibility. That's responsibility. He's given responsibility to his disciples. 
a worship like we've had today should heighten our responsibility sense. It should heighten that sense of responsibility to share the good news. It should heighten that sense of responsibility that we want someone else to experience the, the healing, the joy, the peace that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in the midst of their brokenness. So we have to personally believe that the Lord is talking to us. So let's say it like this. Repeat after me. I must personally believe that God is talking to me. Don't just hear the preacher preaching and say, oh, he's talking about that person over there. No! The gospel is talking to you. It's personal. And we have to embrace our personal responsibility to share this good news, to live life on mission. It's personal. Personal. Your brokenness is different from my brokenness. But God can heal us in the midst of it. And God can use us in the midst of our brokenness to minister to those people that he will bring our way. How many of you know that he'll bring people your way? Just like I just said, going into Verizon Wireless at the church picnic, greeting people just sitting around talking. Yeah, brokenness, brokenness. In Walmart. In Earth Fair, on your job. I tell you, I'm sure teachers meet broke, broken people every day. Because all of us are broken. We come from broken homes and broken families. You know, you're really blessed. Do you know that you're really blessed? Because God has allowed you to know him as Savior and Lord and brought you to be a part of his family. That is a blessing. That is a blessing that you are raising your children to know Jesus. That is a blessing. Think about the number of children who are being raised in homes where Christ is never talked about. They never come to the church house. They never listen to a spiritual broadcast. You, you, every Sunday, you're pulling up messages on the internet. You're studying your Bible. You are blessed beyond measure. So you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. So along with believing the message for salvation, believe the message of your responsibility. When you hear the Lord say go, know he's talking to you. When you say the Lord, you hear the Lord say, you shall be witnesses unto me. The Lord is talking to you. 
And you have to turn that around and say, I will be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever I go. It becomes personal. 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 The Lord said to me, the second thing is that not only must people know that they have responsibility, they have to desire to be a part of my master plan. It's knowledge, then there's desire. Desire is important. It's so important. How many of you just said, I mean, have said, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to take this responsibility. I don't want to sing in the choir. I don't want to preach. I don't want to cook. I don't. What's the first word of that sentence? I'm talking about all of us. All of us have said it. Some form or another, I don't want. There's a man who looked at his crop, saw that he was going to have a bumper crop that year, looked at his barns and said, my barns are already filled. What shall I do? This is what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. I'll harvest my crop. I will take my ease. I will sit down and be merry. And you know, the desire for pleasure, the desire for relaxation, all of us need to relax sometimes. Yeah. It's real in our lives. But I think in this generation it's worse because our parents had to work. And they didn't work easy jobs. I mean, my parents didn't. Maybe your parents did. And sometimes I think about my father and how he cut pulp wood, hauled pulp wood. And I think about this a lot because when I was little, they didn't have the, 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 the hydraulic loaders on the truck. And so they had to lift those logs by hand. I still can't figure out how they got it up when they got way up to the top, six feet from the bed of the truck. I ain't figured out today how they did that by hand. But they did it by hand. And then I would see, and this, this, is, what's, this is what converted me because I used to be mad with my daddy because I thought that he loved my older brother more than he loved me. And this is what converted. One day the Lord showed me how my father would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning in the wintertime, make a fire in the heater because we didn't have central heat. We didn't have air conditioning and central heat. Make a fire in the heater so that when we got up to get ready for school, the house was warm. And then go and work all day long. And the spring and summer, come back home from working what we call a pulpwood bushes and get behind the mule. Didn't have a tractor and plow up acres of ground so that we would have food to eat. And then the Lord said, you fool. You mad at your daddy thinking your daddy don't love you. Look at what he's done for you. We don't work like that. Sometimes the worst work we do, the most pain we get is the pain in our hands from, from writing or typing. <laughs> Amen. A pain on your butt from sitting down too long. Sometimes we don't work like that. We don't. 
work on that. Yeah. So we have to have desire. We got to want to be a part of this work. Desire is important. And, 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 and this, and I, I shared with you before, ministry is work. Soul winning is work, but, but God didn't intend for it to be a labor except for a labor of love. Because he says, as you go. So as you live your life, this is how your life should be characterized, but you got to have the desire to do it. Because it's so easy to bypass it. It's so easy to, to hear that person talking and say, yeah, I, I understand, but I don't have time today. I got to go. I'm on a time schedule. I have an appointment. Desire. To be included in God's master plan. Not just a desire to be saved. Not just a desire to come to church. Not even just a desire to work in ministry in the side of the building. But a desire to be a part of God's master plan for the ages. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Desire. Like newborn babies. We're to crave spiritual milk. So like newborn babies, we should have a desire to share the gospel. Desire. Desire. As the deer pants for the brooks of water, desire. So my soul pants after you. Desire. So this desire to share the gospel has to be like the deer that longs for water. God, use me to share this gospel message. This is what God is trying to get us to. Because every day we can talk about our jobs. Every day we can talk about our problems. Every day we can talk about our need for money. Every day we can talk about our need for relaxation. Every day we can talk about the stresses we're under. But there's somebody who needs this gospel message. God, take me beyond myself. Take me beyond what I experience. Take me beyond my personal desire. Take me beyond my personal, my focus on myself. God, get me to the place where I desire to be a part of your master plan for the ages. Desire speaks to your hunger. And many Christians are not hungry to share the gospel. Many Christians are still asking, what do I say? What do I say? You should know what to say by now. Whew. Desire is created by embracing repentance. So you got to realize where you've been going wrong and repent of it. Repent of that lack of desire. Repent of that focus on yourself. Desire is created as you stand in the community of faith, as you engage in the community of faith. So the more you come, the more you sit under the teaching, the more you join the evangelism team, hmm, the more desire is created. Now, just think if you don't ever join the team. Just think if you don't ever go out. Just think if you don't ever share what you know. No desire is being created. Oh, taste and see that evangelism is good. 
Oh, taste and see that life on mission is good. But you got to taste before you can see. You got to pray. You got to pray. God, God created me this desire. The Bible says, seek, you shall find. Ask, 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 ask. Oh, when the last time you asked? When did you last ask God, give you the desire to share the gospel? When's the last time you ask God, give me the desire to be available when you open the door for me to share with someone? When is the last time you ask God, God, give me the desire to really know and understand your word? Oh, you asked the Lord to give you some vacation time. You asked the Lord to give you a raise on your job. You ask the Lord for a new car. You ask the Lord for a new house. Some of y'all ask the Lord for a husband and a wife. Tell the truth and shame today. You ask. When did you ask God? God, give me a desire to share the gospel. Give me a hunger to study your word. God, make the way possible for me to get to school and ministry on Sunday morning. God, make it possible for me to make it to Bible study. And now, now Bishop put the teaching on Facebook Live, and now every time at 7 o'clock, it seems like something comes up. God, give me the desire to push past these obstacles because I got to learn this word. I got to get the message so that when you present the opportunity, I can walk through the door. Yeah. And the last thing, you got to take the step of faith to do the work. Take the step of faith to do the work. You got the desire, all right? So I can want apple pie all day long. I either have to cook it or go to the store and buy it. Take the step of faith to do the work. And this is what I discovered. Yeah. God will present the work to you. The work is not hard to find. Right. Kind of like what I just shared with you a moment or two ago. But let me back up a minute. James admonishes us. In James chapter 1, I believe it is, do not be hearers of the word only. Be doers of the word. Be doers. He that is a hearer only is like the person, like you did this morning, when you were getting dressed, you know, you brushing your hair, combing your hair, brushing your teeth, shaving, whatever you were doing in the mirror. How many of y'all been in the mirror this morning? How many of you remember exactly what you look like when you stepped away from the mirror? Oh, you do. No, you don't. You don't remember exactly what you look like because something happened between the mirror and 1245. The, the Bible says, and you call the Bible a lie, the Bible says, just like the person 
who looks at himself in the mirror and immediately when he walks away, he forgets what he saw. If I can be really real, okay, and this might sound a little untasteful. So the other day, I, I, I had this sinus infection, so when I was getting dressed, I blew my nose in the mirror now. But coming downstairs, between the bathroom and downstairs, I must have blown my nose again because when I left the mirror, my nose was clean. And my wife looked at me and she said, she said, I don't know what to use the term we normally use. She said, you got a booger in your nose. <laughs> you see how fast things can change? They can change. Yeah. You know, you brush your hair, those of us who got hair, and then you get it, you're putting your, you're putting your T-shirt on and you mess up what you brushed. Or you get in the car and your head hits the roof and, and now the pieces that were in place are no longer in place. Things can change. God knows what he's talking about. So even though we think we're that smart that we remember exactly what we look like, we don't remember exactly what we look like. Yeah, all right, all right. So think about this. God's work will find you, all right? His work will find you. The apostles on the day of Pentecost, the work found them. The work found them. The Holy Spirit descended. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then God moved them out of the room, and everybody in the city began to hear them speaking and understood them in their own language. God brought the work to them. It is now. It is now. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, and the work was waiting on them. There was a man at the gate begging for arms. The work will find you. Are you listening to me? God's work will find you. You don't always have to go looking for the work. It'll find you. Man begging for arms. Peter had an opportunity now to share the gospel. Silver and gold, we don't have. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and the work will find you. Work will find you. So God has orchestrated this thing that you don't have to go looking for the work. Just like the lady at Verizon. Just like people that came to the picnic. The work will find you. It will find you. Opportunities to minister will find you. Every day you go to your job, there's an opportunity to minister that's going to find you. Every day, every day, not just one day, but every day, not just every other day, but every day. Opportunities to pray, opportunities to give a word of encouragement, opportunities to serve someone will find you so that you can begin to tell the story of the brokenness that has come into this world 
that all of us have inherited, but God has a remedy. It's faith in Jesus Christ to bring us back to his good design. Live your life on mission, and you'll be keenly aware of the things that God wants you to do. Just, just begin to live on mission. Just begin to think about these things. My life is not my own. It belongs to the Lord. If it belongs to the Lord, then I join him on his mission, in his mission on the earth. Y'all listening? Are you hearing? 